welcome to Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From Wellington, New Zealand, I'm Dave Wood, and joining me from Devon, England, is Dave Knott. I didn't see the um, I didn't see the video at the beginning. Oh no way! That was such a good video. Ah, uh, because the um, because of the timing of it and everything else, I was literally just out of bed, and I was like, right, okay, I need to get myself a warm drink. Um, so it was all going on in the other room and I could sort of hear bits and bobs and I was like, right, okay, well I can, can catch up with this bit later on, you know, this, this, this will be like available to watch online. Yeah. It kind of explains what that creative pro team have been up to. I think that they've hired to, for like the Mac pro thing. So I think that pretty right. much like justifies, if you see the video, you'd be like, wow, okay, this is like, they either spent a lot of money or they've got some really clever people working for them. And given that we know about that creative team, that's probably what's going on. I would imagine. Yeah um yeah okay that's that's interesting yeah yeah i suppose kind of before the actual watch and the phone though the thing that struck me was when um because i kind of went into this hoping maybe we might see some macs um and then obviously when tim came on and said he said something like we're going to show you two of our most personal products to me that's just like you know damn it we're not we're not going to get any uh (laughs) no no macs no ipads because that was kind of it's going to be the phone and the watch right um Absolutely, and I think it was very much a sort of like, well, do not be expecting anything else. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was kind of disappointed when he said it, but in a way, it's better that he did right at the start. So I, I didn't spend the entire two hours kind of just sat there hoping that you know a Mac was going to pop up on the screen. Um, so I think it's probably quite clear they're going to do an October event. I would have thought um, where the Mac and presumably the iPad are going to get more time, and that's probably right. I think because. I think the tone of yesterday's event, it would have felt odd to just suddenly jump into the Mac. It kind of feels like that event's addressing a different audience than the typical Mac buyer. And um, this is more kind of like general population. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I, I think um, there's part of me watches the events these days and I'm sort of sitting there like kind of hoping for, you know, somebody to say one more thing. And there to be this thing that just hasn't been leaked and completely blows you away in one way or another. Um, and I don't really know why I kind of hope for that in some ways. I think it's just this sort of nost- um, this nostalgia for those sort of moments, you know? Yeah, I, I felt a lot of that, I think. Um, I don't know. I watched um, kind of the day before the the keynote, I, I watched an old Steve Note, uh, Steve Note, Steve Jobs keynote on YouTube and yeah. youtube being youtube because i watched one thing like that it's now recommending every single steve jobs keynote under the sun in like my recommended feed um so i've been <laughs> watching a couple of them and i mean he's, he was so good <laughs> like there's no there's no way around it and kind of watching it yesterday it felt a little bit like um like tim and jeff were kind of a bit off their game a little bit um I don't know. It to did me, at times. Tim seemed a bit overly shouty, especially in the lead up to introing the iPhone. It kind of felt to me like he'd had some kind of coach tell him that you know at this point you need to sound really energetic and enthusiastic. But to me, it it just didn't come off somehow. Um, and I, I kind of felt like Phil was uh, gradually changing into William Shatner in places. I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh, dude, dude. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> add it to the list of so, things i don't know <laughs> that i probably should know <laughs> old star trek captain kirk oh yeah i definitely wouldn't know in that case right okay okay I, th- I kind of felt like he rescued it to some extent yeah 
I felt I felt the present the quality of the presentation went up when when Phil came on stage. That was that was, a, that was a cool moment. I mean, Jeff to me seemed quite nervous at some points. I think there was like a. I mean, it all went off without a hitch, but for some reason, I I just kind of felt a little bit uncomfortable watching. Almost like you think like any any moment now he could kind of screw it all up, and it just made me a little bit like on edge. Um, but, you know, it all went off fine. Yeah. Um, but I think one one shot there was a close up of him where you could see him holding the clicker, and his hands looked a bit kind of kind of shaky. Um, I don't know. Just just seemed I, it's a lot of pressure. I mean, it's easy for me to sit here. It and, really is and criticize behind the safety of a mic where no one can see me. <laughs> you know, I, I can say if I had to do what they had to do, I'd, I'd probably crumble like a pink wafer. It, I wouldn't last long up on that stage. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Um, but. I think this is all to say that yeah, I, I do miss like the good old days of you know Steve getting up there and sort of wowing us. Um, yeah, it's definitely missed. Yeah, I think um, I, th- I think with the um, that that kind of hope for that somebody to sort of say oh and one more thing, it kind of feels like that's that's quite special, right? You know, that's that's one of Steve's lines mm. that, that harkens back to sort of those times, and I, I kind of feel like they're saving it. Like you know that that's going to be used when there literally is something that is a, a next generation piece of tech. It's something brand new. Um, whereas I mean, at the moment we're talking about new iterations to the phones. We're talking about new iterations to the watches. Existing technology. You know, it kind of makes sense that um, that we're not going to have that sort of cadence with, with an event like this. Um, and that doesn't mean that you know the, the updates that we've had are are not good or anything like that. I guess it's just framing, you know? Um, so I guess if, if I'm holding out for that sort of a moment, well, we'll probably get it, but it won't be for something that, you know, by its very nature, it won't be for something that I'm expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, like the AR glasses or something will, uh, yeah, ex- exactly. That will be a moment, right? Yeah. Um, I, I also sort of felt like the leaks that we've had, um, kind of, probably provided some of that um that vibe to the event if if you sort of think about how people were were kind of on the rails with what they were delivering and that sort of thing um they'll have been coached on this they'll have been practicing this for for some time and i guess when you get a big leak happen within the sort of you know couple of weeks beforehand and that it, it kind of like derails that process a little bit Oh, it must be so hard for them. Yeah, and, and then like the, the the impact of and now this. Well, it's you know you're not saying it and now this, and nobody's seen it before. You, you're actually introducing uh, what everybody has already seen on all of the rumor sites and that side of things. So, mm-hmm. you know, that might have actually had an impact in how people were presenting as well. Yeah, it must take its toll. It is a it is a shame. I think for them, I feel feel bad for them in that sense. What what did you think of the watch? Having seen more more of it on obviously in the presentation. I I love it. Um, I, I'm on a, a series zero, and I mean we've said before, like okay, it, in its current state, it's um, it's not necessarily something I would go out and actively replace straight away if if it broke down. You know, I'd pro- and I think I've said before I would hold out for like the next shiny version and and see what was what. And the um, the series four feels like that next shiny version to me in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was really quite impressed with the health aspects of it. The, the ECG monitor, I'm, I'm hoping that that's available on um, in, within New Zealand. I haven't double-checked that yet. US only at the moment, I believe. Right. 
Um, if you look on, um, on the UK site, on the UK Apple site, if you look at the Apple Watch page, the ECG just it, it's just not mentioned at all. Right. Um, I guess they have to. I, you know, they made a point that they're FDA approved, which is fine within you know the realms of America. But step outside of that, I guess they have to deal with each country's kind of process. You know, whoever they have to talk yeah. to to get the certification. Um, that's that's got to be a big job if you have got to go to all these different countries to get all that stuff. Um, but I, I I suppose it will come in time though. I hope so. Um, I mean, that is enough to to motivate me to thinking. Well, can I order one via the states or something just to get that feature? Right. That's that's um, quite an impressive thing. Yeah, I think I think the watch definitely surprised me. Um, what are we now sort of twenty four hours on from the event as we record, and I I'm still thinking quite how impressive it is. Um, I mean, I'm not sure I feel the need to go out and and buy one. Uh, I feel. You know, for the way that I use my watch, i.e. just as a, as, a, as a watch, as a notification triaging tool and a remote control for my AirPods volume, um, I feel I get enough out of my Series 0. The fact that I'm getting cut off from watchOS 5 doesn't bother me greatly in the same way that it would if I was getting cut off from, say, iOS 12. Um, yep. But that doesn't stop me being impressed. And the, the ECG and the AFib detection was a huge deal. Um I think it kind of struck a chord with me, perhaps, because um, back in 2012, my dad had to go through a heart bypass operation. And before the operation, he would quite often go into AFib. Right. And the local doctors would say, as soon as you feel it sort of coming on, see if you can get, get to the doctors and we'll plug you into an ECG machine so we can actually see what's going on at the time it's happening. Um, yep. I mean, first of all, this would mean that my dad would need to get himself to the doctors, which is a car ride away. Um, ideally not yep. him being doing the driving either if he's gone into AFib. And second of all, if, you know, when he gets there, there might not be anyone available that can just, you know, jump on his situation and plug him into an ECG machine. Um, I yeah. mean, keep in mind, this is just like a small town doctor's, not like a, a massive hospital. And of course, the times that he did actually manage to get himself there, by the time he'd walked through the door, the AF had normally stopped, the AFib had stopped. Right. So um, I just kind of think back and... You know, if we if if he had had one of these things, then that would have um, that would have been pretty pretty breakthrough. I think I can imagine as well in that situation. Um, he, he, your father would have also kind of be feeling like, well, is it this? Is it not that? And trying to make that call. Yeah, very much um, so. So yeah, yeah ha- having a device that can kind of give you um, give give you some sort of you know readout of of that is is just awesome. For for anybody with those sort of situations, yeah, and it's quite a frightening thing to go through going into AF. I mean, the first time it happened, I mean, it was it was really quite terrifying because he'd never experienced anything like that before. It's kind of thinking, you know, yeah, what's happening? Is is this you know something really bad? Um, and of course, the paramedics turn up and they're like, oh, it's okay, it's just AF. Um, but you know, if, it's really quite worrying when it first happens. Um, and if you can have a have kind of the watch kind of watching over you to to some extent um that, that can be really good I, I really like the way they pitched it as like a, i think they said it's like an intelligent guardian uh, yeah I, th- I thought that was quite an interesting uh interesting way of pitching the device um i mean similarly with the trip detection i thought that was an amazing feature yeah and, and when you think it through like okay you've got a device that's on your arm that's got these accelerometers you know, I mean, I was looking at this and thinking, well, this is an awesome application of, of, of like, you know, what what does this technology now let us do? Yeah. And 
you know, you kind of look at the um, what what they said about like, okay, um, we can detect this type of trip and it, it activates under these circumstances. That all kind of, as you now look at it, makes perfect sense, I think. Um, and I really love that. I really like that kind of like, well, okay, we've got this device. It can do all of these things. Uh, what does that now let us do? Where can we get to? And then the, the fault detection kind of felt like an element of that to me. Mm. And it kind of, in a weird way, opens up quite a big new market for them. Um, kind of imagine if you've got, you know, if there's like concerned relatives buying Apple Watches for family members who perhaps aren't too steady on their feet. Um, yeah. I mean, Heversnan had a nasty fall at 91 years old. And I, I think an Apple Watch that, you know, Series 4 could have genuinely helped. I mean, it would have helped in the moment when she had the fall. Um, but yep. it also helps offering peace of mind to relatives, especially relatives who are, you know, maybe far away. Um, I mean, you combine it with cellular and it becomes a case of, well, you know, if, if you're going out, please just make sure you put your watch on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I. it's it's great and it can help people and kind of from Apple's point of view... It's kind of like a massive, almost like untapped market in a way um, that they could potentially open up to. It sounds quite cold and calculating to think of it in, in that in those terms, but I can certainly say that you know any sort of family members that I can think of, if it ever became a thing that they were prone to falls and it was a worry for them, it was a worry for for me and my family. I think it, it's kind of like an obvious decision: is you get an Apple Watch, problem solved, and then. Well, not entirely problem solved, but it, it takes a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the problem away and means that help Absolutely. can get there quickly. Uh, so yeah, I, I think those two features kind of stopped me in my tracks. I went into the uh, the Apple Watch section thinking, okay, I'll just sit here and I was eating some dinner at the time while I was watching. It. I thought, well, I'll just kind of eat my dinner and just vaguely listen in the background <laughs> and um, kind of holding out for the iPhone section. But this kind of kind of stopped me. Um, so yeah, yeah. While I'm not in the market for it uh, right now. Um, very, very, very impressed. Yeah, likewise. And and I think um, actually within my day-to-day and, and my life, uh, I was looking and sort of thinking, well, this would be really good um, in my family because um, my wife actually has had a couple of situations um, very recently in the, last, um, in, in the last few months, actually, where she's had an allergic reaction um, to something completely out of the blue. And, and that's actually resulted in in us needing to um to get medical assistance and get her checked out um and i was looking at the at the new watch with that sort of lens of like well okay um i should get her one of these because actually her ability to then you know emergency contact me and that sort of thing and even down to like you know the default detection as well um could actually be quite relevant for us um i mean obviously you know we we hope that we've got this this sort of situation under control now and it's really not a thing but equally um yeah just looking at, at what the device can do in that respect i was thinking well yeah i think maybe we could get her one of these um i can probably wait uh, <laughs> um but it would you know naturally be, be be quite a useful thing for us in our lives so yeah hats off to them for for this one Absolutely, I I really like this kind of overall direction that they're taking the product. I, I just it kind of just feels feels good. It feels right to me. Um, I think I've been seeing a lot of rumours um, a little while ago about uh, kind of like a non-invasive 
blood sugar analysis for people with diabetes and that's kind of rumored to be like the next if you you know what we've seen now with the, the ecg and the fall detection that was like this year's big thing for like medical then the next thing they're going to work on is the, the diabetes stuff um, yeah and just that general direction i think of travel is going to be phenomenal for the device um because in a way it kind of makes the purchase like a no-brainer um and, and it genuinely does help the people that buy it. it's not just like a gimmick um absolutely yeah. and and it's unfortunately so a huge market as well yeah well i was thinking uh, like if charlie became diabetic and it came time to send him off to school no amount of reassurance from say the staff at the school you know when they say oh you know we'll keep an eye on him you know no amount of reassurance will ever put my mind completely at rest um you know i'm sure i'm sure they would be very good but you know teachers eyes can't be everywhere all the time um yep you know, imagine if his watch could ding the minute it knows something's up it alerts Heather, it alerts me then you know we can raise the alarm with doctors or he can raise the alarm himself with teachers um, exactly yeah just this kind of direction of travel it's like yeah this is going to be a real like a real advantage to the device because um, it doesn't seem like it's potentially the easiest thing for other manufacturers to kind of copy because it's like a lot of work's going to have to go into this to make it reliable yeah. in the same kind of ballparkers medical grade equipment and fit it into a watch and do the software side and link it all in that's um quite a competitive advantage i would say Um, yeah very much and and when the watch first came out and they had all the different editions you know right up to like the sort of ten thousand pound ones (laughs) um it felt like um it felt like they were trying too much really um and the the watch really didn't have its niche you mm. know on day one and it's quite interesting and i guess the, the the stats that they received from from all those sales in that first year have kind of helped them um sort of lean into where its niche is um but it's interesting that that health has become the sort of big thing i know like obviously people were wearing it um in terms of like step tracking and you know running and that side of stuff um, sort of quite early on and it sort of feels like um yeah they've they've really kind of found its niche now with the watch and they're leaning into it and it's, it's just great to see no that's right um, it's, it's really good to see um one thing i liked actually and was just that i picked up on was the just kind of general design language in terms of the watch ui um yeah specifically some of the uh, icons within like complications and things it just seems a little bit thicker, a little bit bolder, with some subtle shadows. And I love this look. Um, it's kind of, for me. It's kind of like the the happy middle ground between sort of that super flat design that we kind of where we were with iOS seven, um, and the skeuomorphism that kind of came before it in like iOS six and previous versions. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the uh, Apple Watch webpage earlier. They kind of showed some close ups of of complications and things, and I really like the look. Um, kind of hope that we see that permeate into ios next year i suspect we will i hope we will <laughs> but yeah more, more of that please is basically what i'm trying to say yeah I, i'd appreciate that as well i quite like the sort of like you say the playfulness that they're doing with the uh the ui on the watch mm. um it's, it's certainly something that the phone has kind of lost um over time i think like you say with the sort of quite flatness that we've had since ios 7 it, it can be quite cold at times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can. Yeah, so br- bring some of the whimsy back into the UI, please. Um, <laughs> certainly be happy with that. 
talking about the phones, we, we, we should get into that. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously the leaks were totally accurate. <laughs> they were pretty good, weren't they? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, like, the the only thing to be debated um, seemed to be the name. And I think even that was, was pretty much settled in the rumour mill a day or two ahead of time. Mm, yeah. Um, I don't know. So- I... I kind of got a little bit bored with the uh, the 10s section of the presentation. If I'm being perfectly honest, um, when they were kind of going over features, I was like, "But my 10 already has that." <laughs> in quite in quite a lot of cases, um, yeah. That's not to say there weren't cool improvements. Um, you know, standout things for me, I guess, uh, the more advanced Face ID, uh, which apparently is quicker. Um, I mean, I can't say that I really find Face ID to be slow. Um, initially I found the biggest annoyance to be if it would fail and, and you had the, uh, the mode turned on where it won't show you the contents of your notifications until it's unlocked. And, yeah. and if face ID would fail, then it's kind of like, what do I do now? And yeah, you just often the easiest thing to do is just to click the sleep wake button and wake it up again and try again. And it's kind of like you're marooned in this land of being locked out. And that's obviously improved with iOS 12. It's gotten a lot better at retrying and, which is, is kind of made made that better. Um, but I certainly wouldn't say no to it being a little bit quicker. It's, I guess, probably one of those features where once you've had the quicker version, it's going to be very hard to go back to, to the older one. Uh, I don't know, like, are, are you in the market for one of these? Or? Yeah, so, um, I mean, obviously they're a lot of money and, and that side of stuff needs to be figured out. Um, but I, I kind of held off last year, you know, so I'm, I'm running a, a seven at the moment. And I still really like it. It's still quite a capable phone. Um, so this is actually the it's the point in my upgrade cycle where I could sort of think, well, okay, can I get another year out of this? Which I totally could. Um, but equally in our household, it kind of makes sense for me to then pass that phone down um, and to to upgrade and have the new shiny. Um, yeah, and and. Last year I held off because the the ten was such a jump in price, and obviously you know we've we've just emigrated and everything else, and it just wasn't something I could really consider. And I think with like Face ID being brand new and and stuff like that as well, I was kind of okay. I really want, really wanted the ten, um, but equally I kind of knew if I held out another year, then some stuff would be sort of settled in. Uh, so yeah, this feels like the right time for me to hop on, um, get an upgrade. Uh, certainly to have the new sort of form factor as well. Uh, I think I don't really want the Max. Oh, go um, on, get the Max. <laughs> I think it could be a really great device, but it, again, if I sort of think about like how I hand the phone down and it, it kind of takes on a new role in another year or two, um, I have to think, you know, will will my wife actually like? that size class as well and i don't think she would to be honest with you i think it'd actually be too big um as well as that when i i got the seven i was kind of trying out the uh the plus sizes um at that point and i kind of felt like it was going to be too big for my my day-to-day use as well so i mean obviously the um the 10 and 10s um that size class is bigger than the seven 
so I'll have something to sort of adjust to there. But I kind of feel like it's in the sweet spot between that and the the max size for me. I suppose to me, going from a six to a ten, it didn't feel like I'd gotten a bigger phone. It's almost like the phone was more useful because there was that extra space, but it didn't feel bigger. Um, right. So maybe for you, it would be it would be the right the right size. Um, I think if I were getting one now, I'd have to go for max. I, I think. <laughs> well, you'll recall last year I was on the fence about not even getting the ten and just going for the eight plus. Um, yes. Yeah. And now this is like the perfect combination of a plus phone and the kind of. 10 styling and features um though i don't really like the name <laughs> uh, it, it does it does make sense i think um i can see people complaining about um the fact that you know the population at large kind of understands the plus naming scheme so why drop it but then the plus always had a little something extra beyond just the screen size usually yes. something related to cameras but as far as i can tell the max is feature for feature the same as the, the 10s Pretty much, uh, yeah. You get a little um, bit of extra battery life, and that's it. Besides the screen, of yeah. course. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know about you. Um, I was pleasantly surprised by the price. I know it sounds like a crazy thing to say. Uh, they're still very expensive. Oh, yeah, yeah um, they're very expensive. I mean, I was expecting to see like eleven ninety nine or twelve forty nine or something pop up, and when they said just ten ninety nine, I was like, huh, okay, they want an extra hundred dollars yeah. for the bigger phone. Um, no, that that. Um, that surprised me. I was expecting the jump between um, between the two to be bigger than that. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I guess like you know, your entry level is still over a thousand bucks for either one. Yeah. And, and if you want the bigger the bigger storage, well, you're going to be paying even more. What storage would you go for? Out of interest, probably stay on a two five six storage. Uh, this is kind of my sweet spot, I think, at the moment. Okay. Mm. Yeah, uh, the the five twelve would be very tempting. Uh, the sixty four is definitely too small for me these days. Is it? Yeah, I've I've got like tons of room on my sixty four. Um, I've got sixty four gig iPhone ten, and I just yeah, I don't seem to fill it up. But no, I suppose with the pricing thing with the with the Max, I'm surprised it didn't go higher because if you think about it, if you're willing to spend a thousand dollars on a phone anyway, you're probably not that price sensitive. Um. So I would have thought they maybe would have tried to push their luck a little bit with the max, because um, if you know if you're willing to spend a thousand, probably we can get twelve hundred out of you, maybe a little bit more. Um, but I suppose with the storage tiers as well, they're going to make good money on that too. So maybe maybe, they're, maybe so, they're not yeah. being as generous as they, <laughs> maybe maybe I'm painting them to be. But, but yeah. Well, if you if you think about this upgrade uh, cycle, those people uh, can shoot straight for the five twelve max. Yeah. Um, and then they can also get themselves, you know, the cellular series four <laughs> and have a, a new watch at the same time. So it's actually an interesting aspect to this for me is, is I've noticed a lot of people who bought tens last year sort of saying, okay, you know, the new phones look nice, but it's not enough of a jump for me. Uh, I'll wait until next year or whatever to upgrade. But then they're going in, in the same breath. I've seen people kind of saying, but I'm totally getting a watch. Mm. It's kind of interesting. You've got this sort of like mid-cycle um, bump that's going on with the watch that, that gives people something else they could look to upgrade. Um, I, I guess I, I've also kind of seen like the AirPods falling into that sort of category as well. When they over the last year or so, um, I've seen people kind of going, uh, "Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting on my phone. Going to totally just get these." Um, yeah, that makes sense. 
So I, I think Apple's product offering these days kind of gives people those sort of choices. And I think there's probably some interesting kind of psychology around some of that sort of stuff. Um, you know, when you've got people locked into two-year upgrade cycles, potentially with their phone provider, or even on um, on the upgrade program. I mean, okay, on the upgrade program, you know, you can get an upgrade and just keep paying. Um, but equally, if you wanted the phone to be yours, you would complete it two years out. Um so all these other things, the wearables and accessories that Apple are doing these days, they're giving people other things to buy. Um, they're giving people, uh, you know, smaller purchases relative to the phones uh, that could be considered as um, things like Christmas presents and that side of things as well. Yeah, so, I guess if it's not a phone year, it could be your watch year or it could be your something else year, like an iPad year that there's many a product that could become your year for that product isn't there now yeah yeah absolutely and um you know way back when if i think sort of like almost to to pre-iphone days um as i was running a, a macbook pro uh that side of stuff for me was um an external keyboard and um a new mouse and those sort of things right you mm-hmm. know i was i was making those kind of accessory purchases around the tech that was that i was using uh so yeah i kind of feel like the the wearable story around all of this is quite strong and it's it's really going to be interesting to sort of see how that develops over time i, I think that apple are going to be bringing out even more wearables as, as they sort of make sense to do so one thing i wanted to ask you what do you think of the a12 really very impressive <laughs> not bad is it <laughs> no uh what they're seven um, nanometers now yeah uh, yeah, it's, it's uh to me it's just blowing my mind every every time um yeah I, I mean like this is again it's an example of apple kind of doing what they do um at their best this is this is about them controlling the whole sort of pipeline and everything around the development of those chips and how they integrate with the os uh, it's also providing them with the opportunity to, to do some uh really cool things sort of to the side so um we haven't talked about it much yet, but the the 10R, uh, that phone, it doesn't have depth information coming physically from the camera on the back. But with the um, with the chip that's inside the phone and with the models that they've got trained, they're actually able to kind of interpret the information coming from the camera and give you a um, a machine learning generated depth information. Uh, which is awesome because that then opens up um, a, a software-created portrait mode on uh, the camera. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm really quite, yeah, really quite impressed with that side of things, and that's what these chips are opening up for Apple. You know, it's the ability to do that and do that quite well. Um, I know, like Google, have kind of done that with um, with one of the Pixel devices. Yeah, uh, I believed that that was actually using something online to process it i think originally but i don't think that's the case actually looking at it um in more depth i think they've had uh had this sort of depth information interpreted on the device already yeah um but these new chips they let apple do this and they let, let apple do it um with less battery power um and quicker from from the sounds of it you know they they, they um talked about a metric around how quick um some of the machine learning models are now uh calculating and the fact that they're using was it a tenth less battery nine times the computation for one tenth the power there you go yeah that's a win right yeah. there isn't it 
<laughs> Absolutely. And that that just means more of this stuff and being able to use it in, in different contexts and different parts of the OS. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great. I think what I love about it is at no point did we see Apple sort of talking about clock speeds and L2 caches and all that kind of stuff. And what, <laughs> what they do, it's like they're seeing and seeing real world problems and then addressing that through custom silicon. It's not just getting faster for the sake of getting faster. It's getting faster to, to, to fulfill a goal. Um, like the image yes. signal processing silicon being the obvious example to point to, you know, it's not just chucking more cores at it in hoping that the problem will go away. This is bespoke silicon that addresses a very real requirement that real users have. Um, and yeah, that kind of made me think, well, Surely, surely they're going to do an ARM Mac in that case. I mean, I'd love to see what they could do kind of in the context of a Mac if they were going to start crafting silicon to address certain needs within the Mac. Um, you know, it's like when you build a computer, it's kind of like, oh, I didn't I didn't get the 3.6 gigahertz CPU. I got the 3.8. It's like, why? It's like, well, it's faster. It's like, well, yeah, it's faster, but why do you need it to be faster? It's like, well, because it's faster. But actually, this is kind of building silicon to solve a problem yes it's fast that's great but that's kind of not not the point here it's the point that there's a problem and it can be solved with custom silicon and i think that is such an advantage to apple and you know it it does make me wonder if you know maybe someday in the not too distant future we might even start seeing things like macbook pros and imacs with you know just being run off of custom apple silicon because i wouldn't bet against them based on what we've seen here with what they've done with the phones it's pretty damn impressive you imagine like a chip like that um, optimized for things like Swift com- compilation and that side of stuff. I mean, obviously, I'm being slightly tongue in cheek there, given how long Swift compilation can be. But um, <laughs> but they could be like different variants. You know, like you could maybe spec it to if you're a photographer, you might want to have a certain CPU that's like got loads of photography silicon in it, and if you're a developer, you might want one that's got loads of silicon that's designed to compile Swift or just general you know compilation. But yeah, maybe getting ahead of ourselves here, but it's just very, very exciting to see the progress they're making in the in this space. It's 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 fantastic. Yeah, yeah, very much. And I, I think, you know, like you say, um, the strength there for Apple is going to be for them to tune it to these sort of specific use cases and um, and give that back to people. Um, at the same time, as you know, then when they do that and they do it in this way, it gives you back other things as well, like being able to optimize for battery life and that side of stuff. Mm. Um, it really is the sort of thing that only Apple can can do in in quite this way. You know, this this requires a control around the hardware all the way through to delivery through the software, and I, I'm not convinced other platforms have really got that sort of end to end. Um, I agree. So where does that leave us then? Uh, coming back to the uh, the 10R, I reckon. The 10R. <laughs> yeah, the phone that fascinates me and continues to fascinate me. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it's fair to say it's not the phone for me on a couple of different levels, but that okay. doesn't mean it's not the phone for a lot of people, right? What puts you off? Um, I think it's just knowing that the next notch up in terms of pricing and everything else gives me um, the OLED screen. I yeah. think that's a big deal. Um, secondary to that is then having um, the the physical dual camera setup on the back of the phone as well. Yeah, fair um, point. I mean, okay, they're, they're doing um, depth and all that side of stuff through software, and that's great, um, but the quality on the, the, the 10S 
is is guaranteed to be just that bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's 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 part of it for me. Uh, but then, okay, that's that's fine. You know, the the ten R isn't necessarily the phone for me. That does not make it a bad phone. It it's, looks like it's absolutely the ideal phone for a lot of people. Certainly, people upgrading from successes sevens um potentially people even who were who got an eight last year and are now trying to you know i want to jump on board with the sort of 10 kind of form factor yeah uh, yeah I, it's, 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 it's awesome for developers as well because this sort of flattens out the size classes a bit that's true on which subject the se is gone um yes i think it's still being sold from apple authorized resellers but i think apple have discontinued it then just not selling it um and like you know, kind of spoke last episode. Um, I personally think it's probably a good thing. I think we've generally turned a corner in that maybe the demand for a four-inch phone isn't there. I could be proven wrong. They could bring out a new SE in a couple of months, but um, I don't. I don't think that means those developers we can start throwing a party and that we no longer need to support that size class. Um, a lot of people no. have. A lot of people still have them. Uh, a lot of people still have got a 5S, which has now been given a new lease of life with iOS 12. Yep. Um, and I think I saw someone, um, it may have been Greg Morris on Twitter today, retweeted something about, um, you know, if you've got like an eight-sized phone, if you zoom that display, you're basically kind of at the same logical resolution as an SE. Um, yes. So, you know, we, we can't, you know, go pop in the champagne and, you know, <laughs> We, can, we only have to design for these big phones now. It's all going to be easy. Um, yeah, I think we still need to be very mindful of its existence. Um, Absolutely. I mean, what I find is that the the, the 5S, the SE size class um, as a developer, can kind of make my life a little bit more difficult in terms of implementing designs that have been optimized for, um, well, to be honest, optimized for the 10 in a lot of cases now. Um, but... Really, there's, there's this other side of it, which is, well, if you can't make it kind of work on, on that size class, on the smaller size class, then you are also cutting out people who have got, um, you know, dynamic text and that sort of stuff turned on. Um, because in those situations, you know, like you say, the the, the slightly bigger phone becomes effectively like the, the smaller phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the same considerations exist. You know, you've got to think about, well, okay, this text could actually go below the screen. We've got vertical flow going on. Uh, when I raise the keyboard, that sort of stuff, everything's got to account for that. Um, I don't, so, yeah, there's an argument to sort of say well, it doesn't really matter whether the size class is gone or not. You should still be sort of optimizing for these kind of things yeah, anyway. Absolutely. Um, but I, I won't miss it because you do end up with these kind of situations of like, well, when I want to make this lovely design work on this size class, it just doesn't. Um, and, and those trade-offs, I think, are fine for things like dynamic text and that sort of stuff, right? Um, you've got everything turned up. You don't expect it to look pixel perfect. Mm. Um, you just kind of want it to work, yeah. I think, is, is, is kind of the, the situation for a lot of people. Um, so, yeah, I won't miss it in, in that respect. No. Um uh, what it does mean is the the um iPhone six, six S, seven, eight size class uh that is now kind of the the bottom of the rung. Mm. Yeah, I mean this uh ten R is 
it's, it's going to be pretty big actually when you think about it it's going to be bigger than you know the 10 that you're going to be looking at or the 10s rather and my, my 10 um yes i think a lot yeah. of people are like that i kind of think sort of looking at all kind of the people in my lives that in my life that would uh, potentially buy this um I, I can see a lot of people buying it um and it's kind of good really because it, it's allowing the technology from the 10 and the 10s to kind of filter down and be accessible to to a wider audience uh, yeah this would be the phone i recommend to friends and family i think who are kind of more on the price sensitive side you know that kind of you know don't like the thought of a thousand pound phone um and it's good because if you even if you find you know the the 10R to be too expensive. You've got the 8 and 8 Plus that sit beneath it that have now been dropped in price and they are very capable phones. And yep. even if that's too much, you've still got the 7 and the 7 Plus, which again, as you've said, yours is still a very capable phone. Yep. Um, so it's really nice. I think Apple are kind of almost got something to offer everyone within reason um, that's kind of in the market for a smartphone. Um, but no, I think this 10R is going to be great. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, for a start, it kind of just it just fascinates me because it's cheaper than last year's eight plus for a start. Um, yep. It seems like you're getting way more phone for the money in terms of all like the new Face ID tech and you know the nice edge to edge screen. I kind of wondered if it would kind of come with like an A11 or something, um, but no, it gets the same A12 as as the others. Um, yep. it's, it's no doubt going to have great build quality. It's it's one of those things, isn't it, where it's probably cheaper for them to build, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a cheap product or a cheap feeling product. I mean, this is still high end stuff. Uh, this is the kind of stuff that we used to think was the high end when we were dealing with like the iPhone six and seven and eight from last year. Um, it's almost like the 10 and 10 S have kind of gone into new higher end territory, but really the, the, the tier that the 10 R and the eight and the eight plus kind of occupy is still very, very nice stuff. Um, there's yeah. no getting around that. Um, That's, um, also, I think like there's that playfulness coming in a little bit in terms of the colours. Yeah. Um, whilst, like you say, the build quality is still going to be, be be quite good, um, and that's that's quite cool to see. I I liked the colours that they had with the the five C way back when. Mm. Um, but there was just something about at the time making a decision to have the uh, the plastic back, and obviously you lost the the processor. Um, it just kind of didn't ring true for me. Um, it was, it was something I could, you know, I got the 5S at the time. Um, I, I believe, I think that was the choice. Yeah. Well, the um, five, the five C would have been, I think it was an iPhone five in a plastic box basically, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think it was when the five S came out that the five C came out. I'd have to look it up to remember now. Um, but no, no, I ruled it out outright at the time because of those, those factors, um, whereas I don't think the 10R feels like that same sort of trade-off, like you say, because it's got the same chip and that side of things. Um, it's going to be very interesting to kind of see if they do any bumps to this in the course of the year in terms of different colours. It's shipping on day one with the red colour, uh, which obviously, you know, that's um, quite often a sort of mid-cycle kind of bump. Um, you get the first wave of the phones and then six months out you get the red version so that's interesting it's there on day one i could see them actually playing because there's a few colors they've not got um i was looking they they don't have a green do they no no that's one of the first things i look for because i quite like the green on the 5c um yes way back yeah yeah 
No, I think um, they're, they're going to sell an awful, awful lot of these phones. Um, but like you say, a, a bump mid-cycle with a load of new colours could, um, you know, help stimulate sales if, if it kind of gets to that point in the year when, you know, sales are starting to flatten off a little bit. Um, it seems like an obvious decision, I would have thought. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the, the, the 10R, I was expecting to hate it and kind of be a bit like, what are yeah. they doing? Yeah, me too. Um, but I, I felt like that about the um, the 9.7-inch uh, base iPad. Um, you know, the, the one that they brought out earlier in the year that supports the pencil. I, I was worried that that was kind of going to be a bit of a... Uh, could never see myself having one of those in the house kind of thing um and that absolutely looks like the right machine for me to um to pick up at some point for for my kids so no i think it's it's great that the they've done the 10r actually it sort of occupies um quite an interesting spot uh as devs it gives us access to um a, a wider market of people on on the bigger size of the phone gives us a wider market of people using um, the sensor array in the front of the phone as well. Uh, that's that's interesting, you know, doing doing anything interesting with um, with the face recognition and that side of stuff. Uh, that now means that, you know, even more people are going to be able to have apps that leverage that. Uh, yeah, just a good move all around. Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads, that's RoboHeads spelt with a Z, and you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com, again that's RoboHeads spelt with a Z. How about you Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot. 